the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When Christ walked the earth, he didn't simply heal people. He loved them, counseled them, and he transformed them physically, mentally, and spiritually. The power of Christ to transform lives is the most powerful force in the universe. If there is something profound missing in your life, or if you want to learn more about leading people to Christ, the transformative power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good evening. This is Pastor John Allworth. I'm coming to you live here from KKHT Studios. And the name of our program is The Transformative Power of Christ. And, uh, you know, the reason that we named the program The Transformative Power of Christ is because we we lived that transformative power. Um, you know, I, I lived most of my... I'm going to be a little transparent here. I lived most of my life... Um, n- not living for Christ. I lived um, seeking professional success. I lived seeking, when I got that, I lived seeking personal gratification. Um, and that led to, on a path, I've got a history of uh, genetic predisposition to addiction, and that led to addiction in my life. And uh, it wasn't good. And I was always searching for something that I could never find. And um, ultimately, though, uh, God ordered my steps, and uh, he humbled me, and he restored me, and he rescued me, and I have lived the transformative power of Christ, for which I will be eternally grateful uh, to my Lord and Savior. And instead of chasing things and being empty, I finally found what I'd been looking for the entire time, And that was a relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we we come to you uh, with great humility and incredible gratitude for everything that you've done in our lives. Um, You are so magnificent. Your grace is, is so incredible. Your love is beyond anything that we can imagine. And we are just grateful to you each and every day. Lord, we ask that you heal people that are suffering out there, whether it be from COVID or from heart disease, kidney disease, whatever it might be, and that you comfort their families that can't be with them in hospitals. Give them peace. Lord, we know that you're the great physician. We ask for your healing touch. We also ask for strength and wisdom for all of the healthcare providers that are out there that are uh, dealing with this pandemic and dealing with the, the ordinary diseases of life, we ask that you bring them peace and give them strength and give them wisdom to, to treat people. Um, Lord, we ask that you heal our nation. Return us to one nation under God. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, so what that transformation did for me is that it it led me into the ministry. And first we started uh, a ministry called Break Every Chain, which is uh, a ministry that still meets at 901 Wilson Road in Humble, Texas. And we deal with 
addictions and strongholds of every kind. We've been meeting for years. We meet on Friday nights at, at 7 p.m., and everybody's invited, whether it's a, an addiction to alcohol or a substance or whether it's a stronghold like anger or greed or envy or uh, jealousy or a relationship issue or depression, you know, where it's, it's a group of believers who get together and strengthen each other. We have a we praise and worship the Lord because that does something to your heart and to your mind. And then we we have a, a biblical message and then we break into men's and women's groups and we share our our triumphs, our victories, but also our struggles. And, and we're there to pray for each other. So then I I was ordained and we started a church called New Covenant Church Greater Heights, and it's a recovery church. And, um, you know, the way I look at it, and I think the Bible is clear, everybody is recovering from something. Uh, It may not be alcohol and drugs. It may be trauma that you've been through in your life. It may be disease. It may be injury. It may be depression. It, It could be that you're a caretaker for someone. We're all recovering from something, and we all need the strength that Jesus Christ, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and without Christ we're lost. Uh, but we started our, our church on March 1st, which just is about, we had three live services, and then COVID hit. And uh, we've been on Facebook ever since because we got knocked out of our building. Uh, so we're on at Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We're set to announce when we're going to go back to live services, and hopefully that'll be soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, on Facebook at 6 p.m. And we have a regular church service. It's only about 40, 45 minutes, but we have praise and worship, and, and, and we have the Word of the Lord. So tonight, because of the, the title, and I intended to do this, this is our four, fourth uh, fourth uh, time that we've had this program, the transformative power of Christ, um, we're going to start with the greatest transformation that has ever occurred in the history of mankind, and that occurred on the road to Damascus. And many of you may be familiar with this, uh, and I'm going to try to relate it to your life, whether or not you don't know Christ and you just happen to be listening to this station because somebody else put it on, or or you're curious, or you're new to Christ, and you, and you want to learn more. Or you want to deepen your walk. Um, And, uh, you know, that's so important that particularly in this time of such turmoil and such difficulty that we look to him for for our comfort and for the answers rather than looking to the world. Or maybe you've stepped away, you know, you, you were in church most of your life and and but you've backslid or you've walked away or you've been mad at God. Or maybe you just want to up your discipleship because that's what we're called to do. Anyway, I'm going to try to relate this to you. So I want to challenge every person out there who can hear my voice, including myself, to do a better job of following Christ, to love the unlovable, to seek God's will in every aspect of their lives, to put aside selfishness and pride, to live a life of humility and servanthood, and to always remember our purpose to carry out the Great Commission as laid out for us in Matthew chapter 28. So... What, who was Paul, the Apostle Paul? You know, he wrote a third of the Bible, and uh, he, he was instrumental in bringing the word of the Lord. He had an incredible mission. He was one of the greatest evangelists other than Jesus of all time. And his mission was to take the word of God, from not just to the Jewish people, but to Gentiles. And that's how so many that are listening to my voice right now that we got grafted in. And Paul had this special mission. But Paul, that's not always who Paul was. 
In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, we heard last week about the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, where the Pharisee is, is, is just so full of himself. He's so self-righteous, and he prays at the altar, and he looks down, and he says, thank God I'm not like that tax collector down there. Thank God I, I deliver tithes. Thank God I'm so righteous and so wonderful. And the, and the tax collector looks down, and he, he looks, he hugs his head, and he says, have mercy on me, Lord. And Jesus says in that parable that it is the tax collector, the one that realizes that he needs God in everything that he does, and that asks for mercy, and is not so self-righteous, but is humble, that was justified in that situation. Well, Paul was not only like that Pharisee, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was uh, incredibly well-educated. He he studied under tutelage under the most famous rabbi of the era. He was a Roman citizen, which was somewhat unusual for for a Jew. Uh, They were hated. Roman citizens were hated for their occupation of Israel. And and what this story proves to us, that if God can use him, he was the chief of sinners, as he says in the Bible, he can use anyone. And God, wherever you find yourself tonight, I'm telling you, God wants to use you. Let's look at Paul's words in Acts 26, 9 through 11 to see who he was. He said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blasphemy. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Can you imagine anybody more that's sinning greater than that, cutting down and killing Christians? You know, we have that in our world today. We don't have it in the United States, praise the Lord, but there are other countries in the world where, where, where Christians are hunted down. That's what Paul did. That's who he was. He was prideful and arrogant. Proverbs sixteen eighteen tells us, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Paul was judgmental. And I've been there, even when I was in terrible sin. I judged other people. Paul had no mercy for people who didn't share his belief. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Paul was a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, hunting Christians down. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Paul wasn't open to learning anything new. You know, we never fully comprehend God unless until... We allow our open, open our minds and allow him to reveal things to us. We must keep open hearts and open minds. And as we head into this holiday season, those hearts and minds need to be focused on helping other people. That's what Jesus wants for us. Well, this story proves that God can use anyone. God used Moses. He was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian before he, he went off. God uses David, who was just a simple shepherd boy, and turned him into the greatest king of Israel. Paul used Paul, this horrible sinner, to change the world and to bring the gospel to Gentiles. So look at me. If God can use me, I'm telling you, he can use anyone. If you'd have seen me 20 years ago, you'd have laughed to think that I would be behind this microphone right now. And I'm not anybody. I'm just somebody that God touched. And I feel so eternally grateful that I want to shout from the mountaintops and tell people, that God has a purpose for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he will forgive you. You know, the, the truth of the matter is the further that we fall, we then become overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
and we have a wonderful testimony that can help other people. So let's look at chapter 9 of the, of the book of Acts, which is this story of Paul's transformation. But first, let's look at how God sets it up in the Bible. It is so wonderful. First, in Acts 7, verses 57 through 58, we see that Paul is watching people be stoned. He says, at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. He's talking about Stephen, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is a wonderful martyr who stood up for Jesus Christ, stood up for his beliefs, despite the fact that he knew what his fate was going to be. He gave a wonderful speech in the Bible. And who were they laying their coats at? At the feet of a young man named named Saul. So Paul's observing sin. He's observing this wonderful man of God being killed. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Paul, Saul, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. You see, Saul, Paul was named Saul before he converted to Christianity. So here he is, Saul is going to, from house to house, dragging off both men and women, putting them in prison. Now Paul's approving and, and acting in the sin in, in verse 3. So he observes sin, he approves of the sin, and then he engages in sin. So this is set up, and if we go to Saul's conversion in chapter 9 of the book's, book of Acts, meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, let's stop there a second. You know, that's such a wonderful thing. Christianity was called the way in the beginning, because it's not just about observing your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, although that every knee must bow, every, every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's also a way of life. And it's a way of life that's transformational, that changes you, and that you go from seeking things in the world that don't provide you any lasting joy, that just give you emptiness, to being filled with joy when you live like Jesus Christ told us to live. So he, if he found any that who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call out your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, 
This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You know, so many of us are out there that are blinded right now. We're blinded by this world. We're blinded by confusion. We're blinded by chasing after the wrong things that don't give us any any real satisfaction, any real joy. And maybe like Ananias, you're too comfortable. What if Ananias had said no? He said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to go to that guy that's imprisoning Christians, that's killing them. You know, maybe God's asking you tonight to do something that you're not comfortable with, to go love on somebody that, that doesn't seem lovable, to go help somebody that seems beyond help, to, to go and, and witness to somebody that doesn't seem approachable. But maybe you're too comfortable. What if Ananias had said no? He wouldn't be recorded in the Bible in the most incredible circumstance where he ministered to Paul. So, after a while, there was a conspiracy to kill Saul, and Saul learned of it, and he he escaped. You know, because sometimes the heat is hot in the kitchen. And here's where his, his faith protected him, because now he had the shield of faith that he talks about in Ephesians. Here's where the shield of faith protects you from the, from the fiery darts. And in verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Paul was not only a believer now, but his relationship with God changed his heart. You know, if in Luke 9.23, the Bible says, if it, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself Pick up his cross daily and follow me. I'm telling you, folks, that's where the real transform. I love that verse of Scripture. That's where the real transformation occurs. You've got to deny yourself, your worldly, fleshly desires. You've got to pick up your cross daily. You know, that has a special significance. Picking up your cross back then meant you were willing to go all the way for Jesus Christ. You were willing to die because that's what people did on a cross. A gruesome death. You know, 11 out of the 12 disciples died as martyrs. So did Paul. So did Stephen. So did so many people in the Bible, but they were touched by Jesus Christ. He touched their heart. So Paul, the same man who was arrogant, self-righteous, judgmental, prideful, merciless, and a troublemaker, says in the Bible, I die daily. He dies daily for Jesus Christ. And so must we. And not just because so that we can suffer, but also so we can live the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised us. Because what we see as important is not what God sees as important. And it's not what always brings us joy. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, we all fall short of the glory of God. Paul said, I know that nothing good lives in me. For I have the desire to say what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. 
And then he asks the question in Romans seven twenty four, who can free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, there's one answer to that, folks. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he can free you from whatever you find yourself in bondage if you'll just give your heart over to him. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we see where Paul, this man that was this Pharisee of Pharisees, he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what it was. But we do know that he called it a messenger from Satan. It was something that, that kept him. And he said he kept him from being conceited. And he, he pleaded for the Lord to take it away. We've all got our burdens, but the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's where you need to look. We're all dealing with something. As I said earlier, we call ourselves a recovery church because we're all recovering from something. But his grace is sufficient for you. In Philippians 4.13, I talked about it earlier. Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm telling you, it's true. I could do nothing before I came to Christ. Nothing that was meaningful. I drove my car into a ditch. Once I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I'm not perfect. I fall short of the glory of God. But he strengthens me. He encourages me. He gets me through all the trials and tribulations that we find in this world. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I don't care where you are. You may be rich. You may be a movie star. But in Mark eight thirty six, the Bible tells us, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? If he loses his soul, you know, folks, the time may be short. There are many people that believe that we're in approaching the end times. But, you know, I had a friend die the other day of covid. You might get hit for I might get hit by a bus on the way driving back to fifty nine. I mean, anything can happen. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So where I ask you, are you going to spend eternity? Where is your soul? You know, Paul cashed in on the good life. He had rich parents back in Tarsus. He had a life of leisure studying under these, you know, incredible Pharisees of the time, the teachers of the time. He could have gone around persecuting Christians and just living the life of Riley. But he traded it in for the most incredible journey ever known to mankind. Shipwrecked, jailed, beaten, stoned, left for dead, and ultimately martyred. At Jesus' direct command, he started churches across the Greek or pagan world. He wrote 13 books of the Bible. <laughs> he got at the end an outstanding job, my good and faithful servant. And he waits for us in an esteemed place in paradise. And he said in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, he called all of that that happened to him, martyrdom, shipwrecked. He called it all a light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is the greatest transformation. There are many transformations in the Bible, but this is the greatest transformation that I've ever seen. Paul's transformation from the Pharisee persecuting into the person that wrote a third of the New Testament. So I'm asking you tonight, where are you? Paul heard the voice, the voice that created the universe. Paul heard the voice that spoke with Adam and Eve in the garden. Paul heard the voice that spoke out to the burning bush to Moses. If you give your heart to him, you can hear that same voice in the secret place that you share with Jesus Christ. 
I want to ask you, where are you tonight? As we head into this Christmas season, where is your heart tonight? Would you like to be transformed as Paul was? We're not all, we can't all be Paul, obviously. I'm not a millionth of Paul. But I can tell you that God is still in the miracle business. If we look, we see it everywhere. We see it with people coming to Christ. We see it in our recovery work. We see it in changed hearts. We see it in our recovery ministry. We have a radio show called Recovery Radio Houston. It's on every Saturday at 5 o'clock. We see people come into our ministry and be delivered. Not always immediately, sometimes over time. We see it, my friend, Pastor Boyd Harrell, ministering to people that come out of prison, who change their lives. It's Christ transforming them, but he needs you to be this partner in that transformation. I see my friend Jason Weaver, who's preaching on the streets, away from addiction now, preaching the gospel. We see it in my friend Tommy Thompson, who leads the Open Door Mission, transforming homeless men's lives, getting them clean and sober, educated, medical care. With the number one principle there being that Jesus saved. So God has called our ministry into the center of the city. New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. To find the lost. To love the unlovable. To be on this show and in the church. To preach the gospel of love and hope. And to show them, people, that there's a way out of the darkness and into the light. And His name is Jesus Christ. To show that God wants no man or woman to perish, but all, that all who believe in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. Go through your own transformation. Use this holiday season to change your life and to change where your focus is away from this world. Transform your, your mind by reading his, world, his word, by doing what Jesus did and being a servant on earth. That's what God wants for you. He's got a mighty purpose for you. Maybe it's just to touch one. Maybe it's to touch a hundred. I don't know. But Christ wants to transform your heart in Jesus' name. Amen.